My name is Domingo. I'm a grateful addict and recovery and a friend of the alcoholics. You know, real quick, you know, a little change before I start. You know, I've asked my friend Paul Hecker to read something for me out of the book, and it, and you'll understand why it has a lot to do with what I'm going to speak about tonight. So, if Paul, if you'll please come up here and read that for me. Yes, Domingo. Domingo asked me to read just a portion out of the 12 and 12 chapters of the in the 12th step. And let's see, Domingo. Here or at the beginning? Oh, yeah, that's right. Okay, so out of the 12 and 12 on page 107, this is step 12, and this is the month of December. Here's what it says, and I like this because it's kind of of a summary of us. Step one showed us an amazing paradox. We found that we were totally unable to be rid of the alcoholic, alcohol obsession until we first admitted that we were powerless over it. In step two, we saw that since we could not restore ourselves to sanity, some higher power must be necessary to do so if we were to survive. Consequently, in step three, we turned our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. For the first time, we who were atheist or agnostic discovered that our own group or AA as a whole, would suffice as a higher power. Beginning with step four, we commenced to search out the things in ourselves which had brought us to physical, moral, and spiritual bankruptcy. We made a searching and fearless moral inventory. Looking at step five, we decided that an inventory taken alone wouldn't be enough. We knew we'd have to quit the deadly business of living alone with our conflicts and in honesty confine these to God and another human being. At step six, many of us balked for the practical reason that we did not wish to have all our defects of character removed because we still loved some of them too much. Yet we knew we had to make a settlement with the fundamental principles of step six. So we decided that while we still had some flaws of character that we could not yet relinquish, we ought nevertheless to quit our stubborn, rebellious, hanging on to them. We said to ourselves, this I cannot do today, but perhaps I can stop crying out, no, never. Then in step seven, we humbly ask God to remove our shortcomings, such as he or would under the conditions of the day we asked. In step eight, we continued our house cleaning, for we saw that we were not only in conflict with ourselves, but also with people and institutions in the world in which we lived. We had to begin to make our peace, and so we listened to the people we had harmed and became willing to set things right. We followed this up in step nine by making direct amends to those concerned except when it would injure them or other people. By this time at step 10, we had begun to get a basis for daily living and we keenly realized that we would need to continue taking personal inventory and that when we were in the wrong, we ought to admit it promptly. In step 11, we saw that if a higher power had restored us to sanity and had enabled us to live with some peace of mind in a sorely troubled world, then such a higher power was worth knowing better <clears throat> by as direct contact as possible. The persistent use of meditation and prayer we found did not did open the channels so that where there had been a trickle, there now was a river which led to sure power and safe guidance from God as we were increasingly better to understand him. So, practicing these steps, we had a spiritual awakening about which finally there was no question. Looking at those who were only beginning and still doubted themselves, 
the rest of us were able to see the change setting in. From great numbers of such experiences, we could predict that the doubter, who still claimed that he hadn't got the spiritual angle, and who still considered his well-lived AA group the higher power, would presently love God and call him by name. Now, what about the rest of the 12th step? The wonderful energy it releases and the eager action by which it carries our message to the next suffering alcoholic and which finally translates the 12 steps into action upon all our affairs is the payoff, the magnificent reality of Alcoholics Anonymous. You know, thank you, Paul. Thank you, all of you, for being here. And, you know, this plaque that I'm going to put out, some of you have already seen it, you know, but it's, there's a lot of history in it. And uh, it's my chip. And that, 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 sits, that, that stands by me on my recliner, you know, by where I sit. Because, you see, I know the work that I had to go through to get those chips. That's why I wear them, you know. They're not something that I, I toss in a drawer or they have meaning to me. I mean, that's my life there. You know, and, you know, I'll start off with, I can remember, you know, when I, I needed help, I was in my bedroom, you know, upstairs, you know, me and my girlfriend, you know, and, and I know this is Alcoholics Anonymous, but Alcoholics Anonymous saved my life because I'm a recovering heroin addict. I was up in my, my room and, uh, there was a knock on my bedroom door, and it was, and, and I opened it, and it was my three little grandkids, little, you know, little kids at the time. And I was getting ready, you know, to do my thing, and and my oldest granddaughter, she was like six at the time, she said, Grandpa, will you take us to the park? And at that moment, I felt like she had disturbed me from doing what I was going to do, and I can remember telling her, get out of here, don't bother me right now, and I shut the door, the minute that door, you know, shut, it affected me. I felt, you know, pain. I, you know, I couldn't believe that all what I wanted all my life was just grandbabies that I had just slammed the door on my three grandkids. And I looked there, and, and I looked at my girlfriend, and I said, you know what, we're going to have to stop this. I can't do this. And she said, you're going to have to stop. I'm not. I said, that's fine. That's fine, you know, and. I opened the door, and you know, I, I, you know, I had my arm ready. I mean, I put everything away, and I walked out into the the, the hallway as they were going down the stairwell because it was a two bedroom, you know, two two uh, floor house. And I said, "Get ready, I'm going to take you." See, but when I had slammed the door, and I hadn't noticed that I had removed that sparkle from my grandkids' eyes, but I could see it when they were walking down. And the moment I said that I was going to take them to the park, I, I saw that sparkle come back in their eyes. I had replaced what I had taken. So we went to the park, and when I'm at the park, you know, I, I called my daughter, you know, because I actually lived with them. And I says, you know, you need to get rid of my girlfriend, and I need help. She couldn't believe it. She, she said, we'll do it, Dad. And by the time I got back, you know, my girlfriend's mom was already there, and, you know, she was out the door, and, and I, and I was headed to the Dream Center, you know, Church on the Street. That's why I wore this shirt, because this has a lot of meaning for me, too. So I went to Church on the Street. I didn't know if I was going to stay, because, see, my disease kept calling out for me. I mean, you know, you hear him say, when you got that little angel and that little devil, I had two little devils sitting on my shoulder. 
there was no angel here, you know, and and they, and they kept calling to me, telling me, come on, you, you know you're not serious, and but I was serious, you know, I was very serious, and so I, I went into the Dream Center, and but first they put me into the men's, you know, house, which was, you know, a, a few miles from the Dream Center, to see if, to see if I was serious, and I was, because from from uh, eight to four you could leave, but you better be back by four in the evening, back at the men's mission, if you're going to stay. But see, I wouldn't, I didn't want to leave, so I asked them if I could help, and I'd I'd help out in the yard, you know, and I'd I'd help inside mopping, you know, cleaning the restrooms. I I was afraid to walk out of, away from that gate, but they allowed me to stay, you know, because I was serious. Next thing you know, they they got a bed open for me at the dream center, so they took me over there and. It was a struggle. My sponsor, who's not with us anymore, at the time, he, you know, he wasn't my sponsor, but he was uh, Pastor P. Gonzalez. You know, I don't know why he, what he saw in me, but he said he was going to take me under his wing, and he started to work the program with me. We did the 12 steps, walking in with Jesus Christ, and then the, the 12 steps, you know, Alcoholics Anonymous, you know, both of them. The 12, we did them there at the, with Jesus Christ there at, at the Dream Center, and then the the big book, we did them outside, you know, in meetings. You know, and, and you know, they, they went along with each other, but I liked it because, see, that's where I started to become spiritually feeling a whole lot better about myself. See, I wasn't court ordered to go, to go there, but I knew that I needed that because I couldn't believe the man that I had become, what I had done to myself. Nobody put a gun to my head. You know, it was just bad choice to see. One of the things that bothers me a lot, I'll let you know, is when people say, I hang out with the winners. Man, man, I, please don't say that. I hate that because, see, we're not losers. We just made bad choices and bad decisions. I don't believe that nobody's a loser. We just made bad choices, you know, and I, and I'm, and I made a lot of bad choices. So he, he took me to a meeting, to an HA meeting, and I didn't like it right away. I mean, I was only there like 10 minutes. I went out. Good thing he was still in the parking lot, and I said, I can't be here, see, because all I saw there was was me, people like me. See, and I wanted to get away from people like me because I couldn't stand even me. So the following morning, he took me to the backyard, and it was an AA. And I told him, I'm not an alcoholic. Why are you bringing me here? And he says, just come and go in there, and I'll pick you up tonight. He left me there at 8 in the morning, gave me a, a paper bag lunch, so I said, you're just going to leave me here? And he says, if you're serious about what you're telling me, and I believe in you, you'll be here when I pick you up tonight. All right. You know, and I was serious. So I, so I didn't feel, what I liked about it was I didn't see none of me there. They were all alcoholics. And I never thought that a bunch of alcoholics were going to save my life. I didn't think that. I didn't, I mean, like I said, I See, they say once you scramble an egg, you can't unscramble it. And once you turn a cucumber into a pickle, you can't turn it back into a cucumber. The one thing that you can do and what the program has done for me, it's still unscrambling my mind, my thinking. It unscrambles my thinking, you know, because it was all scrambled up. So I stayed there, and there was just uh, three young kids, two, two guys and a girl, and at the backyard, you know, I know some of you have been there. It's an hour meeting, 30-minute break, hour meeting, 30-minute break, all day, you know, all day that day, Saturday. But for the first couple of hours, 
these three young kids, they, they also stayed in between meetings, you know, they would clean, you know, clean the, the, the coffee area, you know, get coffee started, clean the restroom, throw the trash. They would, you know, you know, sit the chairs and kill a little bit of bed bugs here and there, you know, and, you know, it wasn't festive, but I mean, I had I had a, a steel chair and I kept my feet up and wouldn't touch the floor, but I wanted my recovery that bad. And I remember asking them, so how much did they pay you guys to do this? No, and they showed me the chip, you know, and this is service. This is part of your recovery and the unity, like it says, that the three legacies on this chip, unity, recovery, and service, you know. And then I've heard people say, we don't know how it works, but it works. I can tell you how it worked for me. I did all those three things. The service, the unity for my recovery. So I stayed all day. By by the half of the, you know, at noon, I was already helping them vacuum, cleaning up. I was already in there with them, and I was already, you know, they, you know, they say, if you want what we have. The only thing they had that I wanted was that happiness that they had, the laughter they had, because I didn't have that. I was, I was tore up, man. I was. I, I didn't even know what being, being joyful was. But I wanted it, and they had it. So I stuck with them, you know, and, and they enjoyed cleaning, you know. And there's a lot of you know I do that today at the West Valley, you know, fellowship. And, and I love it. I love it, you know. I, I love the service. But anyway, so the chips, you know, each one of them, especially like, you know, the, the, the 24 hours, it was a chip that I thought I was going to be the most embarrassed to say, you know, 24 hours. Because there was this lady <clears throat> in front of me, and uh, everybody had a few days, a few months, and maybe a year, but when they said any multiple of years, it was a little white lady, and a couple of white ladies, I don't know her name, but she was little. And she said, 10 years. And then I said, she's a fucking liar. <laughs> There's no way I was saying to myself, you know, in my head, I said, there's no way she can have 10 years. I mean, I'm already getting 24 hours, and no way. But she had 10 years. But she helped me without her even knowing it, because that was where I set my goal. I, I set my goal that I was not going to quit till I got my 10 years. But I still had to work the program month by month, you know, working the program every month with my sponsor. When I had five years... There's this lady that a lot of you know, but the anonymity, I'm not going to say her name. We were at, a, at another meeting, you know, I can say the meeting, but not the people down under. And, uh, she, had, you know, I had introduced myself as an addict, and a couple other people had too. And, and then she said at, at the end of the meeting, when they had any AA announcements, and she said, you know, that if you're an addict, I got an address where you can go, you know, this is AA, you know. And I thought she was just being a real bitch, you know, and I was like, that bitch. And I already had five years, but she helped me without her even knowing, because I said, I'll be damned if she's going to chase me out of AA. Just because of that, I'm staying. <laughs> and then I really got into working the program more, you know, into the book. So I started to really work it, because I was going to show her. After, you know, a couple of years, <laughs> when I had seven years, I asked her, because she also goes to the West Valley, you know, fellowship, and I said, can I sit down and talk with you? And she said, yeah. And, and we, we sat down and I told her that story. And we both actually cried together, you know, because she didn't mean to hurt me, but she was also happy that that I didn't leave and that I had stayed because of, of her, what she said. You know, I didn't call her a bitch then. So. 
you know, I, I made sure, you know, because like I said, no, she, you know, she, she's a pretty big lady, you know. But I stayed and I kept going back. And then I remember one time I, I was having some kind of problem. I can't remember what it was. And there was this guy who's a good friend of mine now, Mr. Carlson. So I haven't said your name, but Tom Carlson. And he spoke to me outside in the front. I don't know if he remembers, but at the West Valley. And he explained to me, you know, more of, about how this works, you know, the program. Because, you know, I was, I, mean, I you know, I'm like, I got issues. I still got them today, but, you know, I, I'm learning how to maintain them. But I got a lot of issues, you know, but people have helped me in the program. You know, I got a lot of good friends in the program. I see a lot of them here. You know, thank you all for being here. But as, as I continue to, to work the program, you know, there were so many things that were going through my head. You know, I've lost family, in the, you know, while I've been in the program. That would have been a good reason for me to have an excuse to just say fuck it. Because I got a pocket full of fuck it, guys, I do. But I didn't. I didn't. You know, I, I picked up the phone and I called a friend, spoke to my sponsor. And uh, I had a real good sponsor, you know, and a lot of you know him, you know, he passed away, you know, Big Hubert. And uh, he helped me a lot. We, we prayed a lot because he was a, like a pastor, you know, and, and he would always pray with me. And then one day he told me, he goes, man, I was thinking of asking you if you'd be my sponsor. Can we switch it, turn it around? And I said, no way, man. No way. You know, I'm never, I wasn't going to do that because I still need it. Even today, you know, with, with, great, with God's grace and mercy, <coughs> in two more weeks, and I know there ain't no friends, but in two more weeks, you know, because my sobriety date, date is December 29th, 2007. So the 29th, if I was on a Thursday in two weeks, I'll have 15 years. But but I'm not there yet. I'm, I'm not there yet, but I know I know that I'm going to get there. I just know. Because the stuff that I've been through, there's nothing that can get worse than what I've been through that's going to take me back out. And if there is, I know that I got, you know, people like you in the program that will, that will help me not take that, that path. You know, because I've set my heart on a journey. You know, my kids, you know, they're, they're incarcerated, and, and, I, and I've asked God to keep me, you know, healthy and, and safe, you know, because I want to be able to one day be back with, to see my kids. You know, I can't hug them, and I can't even go visit them because, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm an ex-con myself, and I'm not allowed on federal property, and... We get to talk on the phone, you know, of course, they always listen on the phone calls because they interfere once in a while and tell us to watch what we say. They read our letters, you know, which is normal, but, you know, we're not putting anything on them. But it's rough when I go to my my family gatherings. You know, I like these better than my family's, my siblings' gathering. I'll tell you because <coughs> when I go to family gatherings, for some reason, it really breaks my heart. I love it, but it breaks my heart when I hear my brother's kids and grandkids calling them, hey, dad, or hey, grandpa, and, and I'm the only one that doesn't have no kids calling me dad, no grandkids calling me grandpa, you know, because my grandkids are with my ex, and she has a big resentment against me, you know, and I don't blame her because of the things that I did, you know, and so she keeps them from me, and they're my kids that are locked up. It's their kids, you know, so I, my grandkids... She's the uh, the power of attorney for now, and so she she doesn't let me see them. And and if they call me, and if she catches them calling, they get in trouble, you know. So I, I'm waiting for my kids to get out so that I'm able to see my grandkids. I miss my kids, you know. I miss my grandkids, but I still stay in the program. That's why I continue to go to meetings, you know, because when I get to fellowship with a bunch of you all and talk to you all, and 
you know, and I hope I'm not, you know, getting out of line here, but the ladies, you know, when I tell the ladies, you know, Deanne here, you know, when I, when, and I tell all the ladies that I love them because I do, because I can remember in my disease, I disrespected a lot of ladies. I did, you know, I, I gotta be, I gotta be real, you know, I used to look at women from the neck down. I didn't, never, I couldn't tell you what their face looked like. Today I look at them from the neck up and I like to see the smile on their face, you know, the sparkle in their eyes. And, and I like to know that I'm not the one taking the sparkle out of nobody's eyes today. But that's because of the program of Alcoholics Anonymous. You know, I still read the big book. You know, I, I got, they worked on my eyes and I got glasses. But today's one of the days that I have to take a certain medicine that I can't skip because I got to take care of my eyes. So that's why I asked, you know, Mr. Hecker to read what he did because I can't read right now. You know, that light is hurting my eyes, but I didn't want to wear my solo sunglasses because I didn't want you guys to feel gangster, you know. And I'm like, <laughs> you know, you, you, guys, you guys have changed my life. So, I, 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 you know, to change your life, you've got to go through a little bit of suffering and pain, which I'm going through a lot right this minute. But that's because it's worth every bit of that, you know. And I get to talk to, man, you know, I come here with, you know, my friend Lee. I hope he doesn't mind that I say his name, you know, but I come, you know, he brings me here and, and uh, it feels good, you know, just to have friends that are there for you no matter what, you know, I can call and, you know, I'm, you know, a lot of you know me, I'm, you know, and I'm saying this, why, how, what is that, what has it got to do with AA? If it wasn't for AA, I wouldn't be able to do none of this. I make salsa, you know, for people that want it, you know, I give it to them, and sometimes it's too hot. Well, I'm sorry, you know. I, that's why it's called salsa, you know, because it's hot, you know. And, and, and I make burritos for people, you know, and, and, and I tell them, you ever want burritos, and you can have them. I'm not going to charge you. You know, I could never pay back what Alcoholics Anonymous has given me. One of the things that, that I remember my sponsor telling me, see, I'm going to go backwards a little bit, because I ain't got no notes. I can't follow the things I can't see. But, you know, I got some up here. He says, when you go into meetings, you know, you're going to hear them say, you know, a, a few quotes in, in the meeting. He says, you're going to hear them say, look for the similarities, not the differences. Remember, and this is when I was a newcomer. For you, I want you to look for the differences, not the similarities. Because if you go in there looking for the similarities, you're going to go looking for someone who's as bad as you right now, who's all fucked up, and it ain't going to work. So look for the differences. So I did. I went in to look for the differences. And like I said, you know, I saw people laughing. Do you know why they were laughing? Because I didn't get it. You know, uh, joking with men, hugging men. And I says, what the fuck is this? You know, and then men coming up trying to hug me. And the first one that really gave me a hug that I just didn't like was that guy right over here. But today I love his hugs because when he hugged me, I mean, he squeezed everything out of me, man. And I says, let me go, man. Let me go. He wouldn't let me go, you know, but. See, that's what the program's done. It's, just, it's allowing me to accept the things that I cannot change. But it's, it's all positive. You know, because there's a lot of things that I can't change. There's a lot of things that I don't want to change. That I don't want to change, you know. And I love, today I love pain. You, you love pain? Why? I love pain because at least I can feel things today to where before I didn't feel nothing. I, you know, I was numb. I didn't feel nothing, you know. You could do some, I, I could do somebody hurting. Does that hurt? Well, okay. You know, hope you get well. I just, but now today when I see them in pain, and, you know, I can feel their pain and I do care what they're going through. 
that's because, again, like I said, because of Alcoholics Anonymous. I'm an addict. I'm an addict, and I'll never disrespect Alcoholics Anonymous and talk about my addiction. But because of Alcoholics Anonymous, if you all look at my plaque real good, all of these are AA chips except for the middle ones. My HA and my CA because, you know, I'm a recovery drug addict. But I only got my recovery because of Alcoholics Anonymous. See, the program just ain't the book. It's the people in the rooms that I get to say hi to. I've given women hugs and they look at me like, hey man, my husband's right over there. I don't care. <laughs> he can't beat me no worse than I was beating myself when I was out there. You know, and, and you know, and it's you know, like I said, I mean, I'll hug some guys now, you know, but I usually try to keep it to a bump or maybe once in a while a handshake. You know, cause, but when I give you a fist bump, that's telling you I love you. Don't be hugging on me like that. But you know, <laughs> there's some that that I let them hug. You know, but I'm not a hugger. You know, I'm not trying to be mean, but I, I'm not a hugger. I'm really not. But uh, but it, it's all good. You know, it, it really is. It's all good. And you know, I like to you know. Tell a you know a few jokes every now and then, and I want to say one. A lot of you have already heard it, but I want to say it again anyway. <laughs> a lot of you have already heard it, and, but I'm going to end with that. You know, and uh, there was this girl who walked in uh, of alcoholic into Alcoholics Anonymous, but before she walked in, she had asked, "I'm an addict. Can AA help me?" Well, if it helped me, it can help you. So she walked in, but her addiction was soap. She was addicted to soap, all kinds of soap. Because of the program today, she's clean. <laughs> That's all I got. Thank you for letting me share.